Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. though, and why it's so important that folks like uh, Congressman O'Rourke have been out there uh, calling on companies to say something, is that whereas in Georgia, it was great the Delta Airlines came out against the legislation, but you know what? They did it too late. The legislation had already passed. The difference here is that we still have a chance to stop this legislation in Texas. That's why it's so important for whether it's AT&T or Southwest Airlines or USAA or any number of big Texas companies to use uh, their resources and their influence to stop this. All of these companies have lobbyists, Texas, Washington lobbyists. Uh, most of those lobbyists used to work in the actual legislature as staff members or members of the legislature. And a wall, I should say built at taxpayer expense, but this one is being built overnight. Five people, except they didn't. That was a total lie. They knew it was a lie. There was never any evidence it was true, but everyone swallowed it. Today, Washington, D.C.'s chief medical examiner, Dr. Francisco Diaz, released the manner of death of the five people who were murdered at the Capitol on January 6th. Here's what he found. Only one person actually was a homicide victim. That was Ashley Babbitt. She was a protester. Two other individuals, Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips, died of heart attacks. A fourth person, Roseanne Boyland, died of a drug overdose, amphetamines. No cause of death was provided for the death of Officer Brian Sicknick. Julie Kelly is a senior contributor to American Greatness, one of the people who's followed this the most closely, whose stories have been fact-based since the very beginning in contrast to virtually everyone else. And she joins us tonight to assess what we've just learned. Julie, thanks so much for coming on. What have we learned here? Well, we have learned that yet another narrative related to January 6th has completely collapsed. The only person, as you say, who was killed that day was Ashley Babbitt. Um, and now, but as we've seen time and time again, whether it's the idea of a deadly armed insurrection, whether it was sedition, um, it, all of these things that we were told early on, Every single one of those storylines has fallen apart. But here's the question, Tucker, who is going to start retracting all of it? I mean, we probably right. have hundreds of thousands of citations that five people were killed. It was in that House Democrats impeachment uh, trial memo. Who is going to retract that?
And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 10th of April, year of our Lord, 2021. Welcome back in the saddle, little fascism there. Gotta like your fascism of Juan Castro. That's really his name. Today, of course, we're going to cover guns. Yeah, we're going guns. We're going after the Supreme Court because that's what he does. A little bit of border. But before we get into the many things he said wrong, I want to play a soundbite from one of Tucker today's. And this is a black man who's a black intellectual who's a professor wrote a book called Taboo. And I think it's important to play it prior to our guns because everything they're saying, everything from the Chauvin case, everything about guns, the border, the left can't win on facts. So they just manufacture some. Let me ask you about, because I think it's a good way to frame what you do believe, a book that you wrote last year, I think, called Taboo. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you basically make the point that all these things that are true, and in some cases self-evidently true, demonstrably true, that we're not allowed to say. Give us a sense, you say 10 facts in the cover of the book. What are some of the things that you believe are true that are not permitted in polite conversation right now? Well, the book Taboo looks at what you could call uh, cancel culture today, and what many people do call cancel culture, which is this kind of idea that there's certain things that may be true, that may even have very intense explanatory value, that you're not supposed to discuss in polite society. And the problem here is that if you can't discuss the possible explanations for things, the very likely explanations for things in some cases, you end up having a non-productive conversation where things that aren't very relevant, um, sexism comes to mind in many situations, end up being labeled the total cause of everything that we're seeing. But I mean, so the first chapter of the book looks at the Black Lives Matter movement. I openly say I'm a black man, proud one, I'm an academic. I have some sympathy toward the underlying goals of the movement, racial equality and so on. But I point out that many of the things they say are objectively not true. Uh, If you look at the claim that there's a very large number of um, murders, if you will, of African-American men by police, that turns out simply not to be true. Uh, the total number of unarmed African-American males killed you know, in genuinely disputed, potentially controversial shootings by police last year was, if I have the number correct, 13. Um, the total number of unarmed people, including the very large uh, Caucasian and Hispanic majority we rarely talk about, that number was under 100. A uh, full number of police shootings all in was under a thousand and that included people who were attacking the officer with a pistol or another firearm a knife you know a vehicle used as a weapon so that argument simply didn't stand up there wasn't a gigantic black white discrepancy certainly if you were just for crime rate and again the total number of these cases for all groups combined was a hundred or less so those those were the facts and i went on from there into interracial crime in general And I think that this is something that the media on all political sides really emphasizes because like a failure of masculinity, if you will, or planes crashing out of the sky or animal attacks. It's one of those things that just terrifies people. So we see a lot of stories about warriors of the other race sort of attacking people. It's unprovoked. It's ugly. Um, It turns out this very rarely happens. There is an annual document that summarizes kind of the victim reported crime in the USA that we call the Bureau of Justice Statistics Report, the BJS Report. Yeah. And 
out of really, I mean, 12 to 20 million crimes in a typical year, we have a, we have a problem with crime in this country, generally about 600,000 of those are going to be interracial violent crimes that involve either you know, a black perp and a white victim or a white perp and a black victim. So that's a, it's a tiny percentage, it's around 5%. And the, the politically, even more politically incorrect part of that would be those numbers in general are also about 80% black on white. Now, you, you have to understand there are five times as many white people as black people just to begin the analysis. The black crime rate is still a bit disproportionate. But um, the, the actual figures don't give really support to anyone's theories of paranoia. This is 5% of the crimes. It doesn't cut in the direction that the mainstream media reports almost every time. If we're going to talk about this this sort of fringe topic at all, so I make this point. I mean, it's saying that there's an epidemic of white cops or of white people attacking black people. We can all call out cases where that indeed did occur or may have occurred, such as the George Floyd uh, situation. Right. But that that's simply not the reality of the country, and presenting it as though it is hurts race relations pretty seriously. And I go on from there to other things that you're you're sort of not supposed to talk about. Immigration should be beneficial to the country receiving the immigrants. I call out some of the the point. Wild idea, I know. I call out some of the points on the extreme right as well. I mean, large societies are always diverse. That's not something that's going to go away in the USA. All the black or Jewish Americans aren't going to move. The world's not six thousand years old. But the majority of the book does look at some of these crazy ideas on the much more influential left. Um, probably last. Uh, I tend to be a long talker, so last comment. Probably the most uh, attention the book has received comes from the analysis of systemic racism, which is in kind of the Ibram Kendi format. Basically, just the idea that differences in performance between groups. If you're looking at the the SAT or something like that, these have to be due to racial prejudice. The only other explanation would be kind of unacceptable genetic differences. And as people in actual quantitative academia, although Dr. Kennedy's done some writing in this field, but as, since Thomas Sowell have pointed out, I mean, Amy Chua, John McWhorter, Glenn Lowry, that's just nonsense. Um, adjusting for a fairly few things, uh, median age, for example, uh, the most common age, not necessarily the median, but most common age for a white guy in the USA is 58, for a black individual is 27. Uh, adjusting for that for region black people are much more likely to live in the south where wages are low for everyone uh, adjusting for test scores scores on any single intelligence or aptitude test just doing that which people very often don't do it's considered kind of a fraught politically incorrect arena of research uh, that eliminates the gaps between whites and blacks for example and what i mean by this is very simple if you take a white engineering student from the university of michigan with an 1170 gre and you take a black engineering student from the University of Michigan with an 1170 GRE, those guys are going to do very similar things in life. It doesn't make much sense to say, on average, a black or native guy in Mississippi makes less than a white Jewish guy in Manhattan. This must be due to racism. So, I mean, the, the book it focuses on all these ideas that we don't talk much about, but that are obviously fairly important. Racism alone doesn't explain most phenomena in life. There's no coming race war on either side. Immigration should make sense. And as you might expect, some of these almost wonky analyses in today's climate have gotten, a, let's say, a great deal of attention. It's a perfect analysis. It isn't because it's what I believe and it's confirmation bias. It's just facts. You know, I watched Blue Bloods last night. And Blue Bloods did a very tough subject. They're still trying to support cops because they're about cops. They know their viewers likes, like cops. 
And in this show, they're talking about how all these places are not doing bonds. You know, people are just released for punching cops. That was one of the themes. Another theme was releasing back bad conduct reports. And as a person who was a drill sergeant, you know, I had all sorts of false claims that I did stuff. I mean, that's the only piece of authority I ever had, you know, where it's similar to a police officer. But police officers, every time they arrest somebody, are accused of something, right? Well, in this, they had transgender deaths. And this lady just starts rattling off the, you know, hundreds of people killed last year, which isn't true. There weren't 100 trans. And then when you break it down, they weren't killed as hate crimes. It was their spouse who were gay people. So maybe it's gay people hating trans. I don't know, but it can't be classified as a hate crime. But there's just so many untruths. And nothing was more evident, and it happens every time the left talks about guns, they just rattle off bullshit. I'm proud to nominate David Chipman to serve as a director of the AFT. David knows the AFT well. One, require background checks for anyone purchasing a gun at a gun show or an online sale. Most people don't know it. You walk into a you buy a gun, you have a background check. But you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever you want and no background check. Second thing is to close the Charles, what you know as the Charleston loophole. Like people here, I spent time down at that church in Charleston. Dr. Jill Biden, who cares deeply about this issue as well. And I look out there and I see Congress who've led in this fight. So many of you who've never given up. So many of you are in, can, absolutely determined, as Murphy and others are, to get this done. We've got a long way to go. It seems like we always have a long way to go. But also, uh, today, we're taking steps to confront not just the gun crisis, but what is actually a public health crisis. Nothing, nothing I'm about to recommend in any way impinges on the Second Amendment. There are phony arguments suggesting that these are Second Amendment rights at stake from what we're talking about. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. You can't yell crowd, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. From the very beginning, you couldn't own any weapon you wanted to own. From the very beginning, the Second Amendment existed. Certain people weren't allowed to have weapons. So the idea is just bizarre to suggest that some of the things we're recommending are contrary to the Constitution. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic. Let me say it again. I'm wondering, does the administration have data on how many crimes have been committed with these ghost guns that your team could share? I'm sure we can get you some data. Sure, and I, I bet you a range of the uh, the experts who are joining us here today have a bunch of data. Following up, the, the president said a moment ago, quote, you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever you want, no background check. Is there a special exemption in federal law that he was referring to? or just do FLA dealers not have to do background checks when they're at a gun show? Is it the president's belief that you do not have to undergo a background check when you are at a gun show? No, it's not his belief. He believes that gun that background checks should be universal. Right, but he says no background check. 
Well, we know what his position is, right? So let me reiterate that, which is that uh, gut background checks are something that should be universal. But with regards to the stabilizing braces, uh, what's the message to people who, you know, earlier on, uh, before this was an issue, law-abiding folks who bought these um, and who weren't criminals, according to the Congressional Research Service, there's something like 40 million currently in circulation. What should the law-abiding American as they await that regulation? I mean, should they expect buybacks or should they prepare to turn those in or is this a confiscation situation? I don't think that's what we're suggesting. There's obviously going to be some time to put in place this regulation, as you referred to, and uh, take a close look at the most effective way to do that. And what the effort here uh, is that's underway is to put in place measures that make the country safer and make communities safer. And obviously there are uh, impacts. Uh, we, we, every step that he announced today, we believe would data uh, and uh, that they could share with you as well, even maybe on their websites. Very good. All right, then following up, the, the president said a moment ago, Quote, you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever you want, no backpack. Is there a special exemption in federal law that he was referring to, or just do FLA dealers not have to do background checks when they're at a gun show? Are you asking me if he was referring? No, it's okay. Were you asking me if he was referring to like a specific circumstance? Or I'm sorry, just tell me a little bit more about your yeah. question. I mean, is it the president's belief that you do not have to undergo a background check when you are at a gun show? No, it's not his belief. He believes that gun that background checks should be universal. Right, but he says no background check. Well, we know what his position is, right? So let me reiterate that, which is that uh, gut background checks are something that should be universal. They're supported by more than 80% of the public. He's supported legislation, advocated for that, um, and uh, advocated against loopholes as well. So that's his position, and I appreciate you asking for the clarification. Go ahead. One here. Um, I know the DOJ is working on this regulation, sure. and then we're going to have to wait. Um, but with regards to Mid the news of these two shootings in America just in the last 24 hours, President Biden, before the cameras today, he was urging action from Congress, and he'd already planned to announce this today, even before the newest shootings. The president calling gun violence an epidemic in America and a public health crisis, saying he will use his authority to limit so-called ghost guns. So what are they? And the creation of a national red flag law and what that would mean in this country. The president planned to use his executive authority even before today's news, amid pressure after the mass shootings in Atlanta and Boulder. Biden taking steps today to limit so-called ghost guns, kits that allow people to legally build guns at home that cannot be traced. The president also putting restrictions on stabilizing braces that effectively turn pistols into short barrel rifles, like the brace used in the Boulder rampage. Our latest polling actually shows that two-thirds of Americans say gun reform should be a higher priority. But the reality here is that despite these horrific shootings, there is very little appetite from Republicans and even some Democrats on Capitol Hill to act on the kinds of changes that the president wants. And we want to turn now to the president's executive actions on gun violence, his first since taking office. He's targeting so-called ghost guns and equipment that can turn a pistol into a rifle. But with quick congressional action to seriously address gun safety unlikely, Mr. Biden took executive action targeting stabilizing braces that can be added to pistols and so-called ghost guns. Good evening. We're going to begin with breaking news here tonight. Just hours after President Biden signed executive actions on new gun restrictions, yet another apparent mass shooting has occurred. The president unveiling a series of executive actions, including directing the Justice Department to draft model red flag laws, 
which allow courts to temporarily bar someone who's viewed as a danger to themselves or others from accessing guns and directing the DOJ to propose rules to stop the proliferation of... What the fucking fuck? What is wrong with that guy? But before we get into it and break him apart, firearm background checks soared a record high in March. People are still buying guns and are not white people. And I think for guys like me, and this is going to sound pretty fucked up, but we're going to cover this Chapman guy. And if anything we've learned, or Chipman, I think is his name, Chipman. My wife bought me this to replace a monster. I don't know what it is. I took my Prolisac. I got an upset stomach. This stuff. This stuff's making me sick. Yeah, tastes good. But with the Chipman guy and everything, there's articles like this coming out. FBI is now mainly a weapon against Republicans and. If you break down this whole gun thing, and the media won't touch it, they're not going to talk about it, but the whole fucking hunter thing, and the criminal reform thing, and the releasing people for guns, you know, a story I have in here, I'll just cover now. Is Tennessee just backed it or passed as effective July 2021? Opened concealed carry without a license. So I'm one of the dumb guys that has a concealed permit. You won't need it. As long as you're not a felon, a stalker, abuser. But when they pass that law and unbeknownst to the media who didn't cover it, they also made it a felony if you were a felon in possession. Uh, abuser, uh, you know, a domestic abuser. All of these were added in the bill. It's kind of like the voting, uh, Georgia voting. It's just like Chauvin. I just listened to a podcast by um, freaking Ben Shapiro that we'll do on a later podcast. But breaking down how bad the case is and how prosecution witnesses are actually making the defense's case. None of that gets in the media. They, they don't cover that voting got improved in Georgia, that the Tennessee bill actually made it a more of a crime to be in possession, an enforceable. We don't enforce the laws we have now. If you're a certain color or a certain political persuasion or a member of the elites, charges get dropped. If you're some fucking truck driver who drives into the wrong state, you go to jail. I mean, we report on the show people going into New York with their concealed carry, not thinking, and boom, jail. Illegal. Can't do it. Biden makes false claims about guns and executive order presser gets ATF. Now, once again, for those who don't know, AFT is the teacher's union, not our guns and tobacco. At the start of their Mark Biden controversially claimed that his plans to crack down the Second Amendment did not in any way impinge on the Second Amendment. Biden claimed that anyone who suggested this action were cracking down on the Second Amendment was engaged in a phony argument. 
Bind claimed that adding a stabilizing brace to a pistol makes it more lethal because it makes a firearm more accurate. While the brace can help stabilize the weapon, a person's ability to be accurate with a firearm is largely dependent on how much they practice. The idea that a brace makes pistol more lethal is also not accurate because a brace does not alter the rate of fire of the pistol, nor does it alter the velocity of the projectile or the aiming or anything. It's any, it's just like a cheek Stockwell adapter for ARs for people like me who are old school M4s. A lot of people like those. I didn't. I just learned how to shoot it. But your cheek to Stockwell when you were shooting was totally different because now you got a tube and you used to have a big old buttstock. Caleb Hole, Biden just claimed about stabling brace to an AR pistol is more lethal. This is literally not true. One of the most insane things I've heard a topic on guns. Biden also called for banning semi-automatic long guns, which essentially operate the same way the pistols do by firing one shot each time. The triggers pull. And falsely suggested that a previous ban on those weapons that were enacted in our Clinton administration saved lives. ProPublica, a left-wing journalism organization, reported that the study of the 1994 ban found no evidence that it reduced overall gun crime. I actually have that in here. Let's go on down there. PolitiFact. New, in today's gun policy address, President Biden exaggerated about background checks at gun shows. Mostly false. That's not it. We'll get to that in a second. Where was it? Shit. Oh, I had it. Never mind. I just look like a dumbass. But that was one of the things. They didn't do anything. Because most crimes aren't with long guns. When you're out in the hood, where most of our crimes is, white or black, Mexican or Martian, you're not rolling with the long gun. You're rolling with the pistol. Joe Biden just said the AFT. Uh, I'm not going to read all this. It's it's just bullshit. There is no gun show loophole. I can read an article, but let me just do it in layman's. It's so easy. <clears throat> On an AR, a rifle, every weapon is determined where the serial number is going to be. It's usually the lower receiver or the back end on shotguns. That's where that serial number is going to be. So for an AR, you can go to a gun show and buy a barrel, buy sights for it, buy scopes for it, buy a buttstock for it, buy a cool butt pistol grip for it. You can buy rails for it. You can buy the bolt, which is actually the mechanism that fires the bullet. The charging handle. The ejector. You can buy all these pieces, walk in, and walk the fuck out. But you can't buy the lower receiver. The lower receiver is where the serial number is. At a gun show, they have to do a NYX check. A background check. And as you see with Hunter, if you lie on it, well, then you lie on it, and you should go to fucking jail because it's a federal crime. Of lying on a 4473. But you fill out that form. They do a NICS check with the FBI. And if you're not a felon. You don't have any wants and warrants. You get the gun. As stated on other shows. We in a gun gun store. Refuse people. Who look like they're just buying the gun. To do something wrong. Or they said statements like. I'm going to get this gun and show that motherfucker. That actually happened once. We didn't sell him a gun. So beat it. I'm not doing it. But that's the system. The only way you go to a gun show and just buy an AR 
is if a guy's walking around selling his AR, and that's a private sale. And as much as the left wants to regulate that, that's fucking impossible to regulate. People are going to sell their shit to most people who own guns. It's like me selling my TV, or selling my fucking boat, or selling my camper, or selling my lawnmower. I could Tommy boy the fuck out of this and tell you other reasons why the fan does cool things or the refrigerator. Sorry. Uh, But you get the idea. It's all bullshit. Pasaki clarifies Joe Biden lie about no background check at gun shows with impressive tap dancing. I played it. It's just a fucking lie. It's a lie. Article after article. He doesn't understand the Constitution. Let's break that down for a second. So does the 13th Amendment changeable? The one that made slavery illegal? I'm just asking for a friend who happens to be black. Because if we're saying that the amendments are not sacrosanct and you can change it, I mean, already since they've joined this administration has altered First Amendment rights, altered Second Amendment rights. And I was going to play a soundbite, another one, showing once again, openly, everything about the Capitol is a lie. Nobody was murdered. Nobody died of force. They all died of natural causes. Even the lady that was trampled died from something totally else. She had a drug overdose. And we still don't know how the cop died, but it clearly wasn't being gorded by a fucking fire extinguisher. Every one of those people are in jail. And it goes to the two parts of what is making America fall apart. One, this incessant racism bullshit. Two, different laws for different people. I mean, this, by the way, is what the left's rolling with. We're going to just roll with this lie. No, dipshit. We were a new country. We want to keep the British out. And we wanted firearms to do that because the government didn't have firearms. Had nothing to do with keeping them black folk in the cotton fields. What the fuck? PolitiFact is the only one that did anything. And then we get to this winner, winner, chicken dinner. Every fucking person he's putting in charge, every one of them is an extremist. And I got a long soundbite I'm going to play at the end of Guns. But I want to play this Chipman motherfucker found an archived version of his Twitter page and compared it to his current page. They found that David Chipman deleted at least a thousand tweets in recent days. And we can only speculate about what he said in those posts. We do know that what he said publicly tells us all we need to know about how he got this job. In October 2018, for example, David Chipman told The Hill that AR-15 should be treated, quote, just like machine guns. Well, machine guns are banned in this country. He believes AR-15s, the single most popular rifle in America, should be banned. Chipman made that remark in his capacity as a policy advisor for an anti-gun group, one of the many funded by Michael Bloomberg. In 2012, he suggested on MSNBC that the Secret Service shouldn't carry firearms. And last year, David Chipman openly mocked the millions of Americans who were buying firearms to protect their families from the crime wave that David Chipman's party has unleashed on the country. They might think that they're diehard, ready to go. But unfortunately, they're more like Tiger King, and uh, they're putting themselves and their families in danger. 
And so what I would suggest is for those people who were first-time gun owners, if they did go out and buy a gun, um, I would secure that gun locked and unloaded and hide it behind the cans of tuna and beef jerky that you've stored in a cabinet. And, um, you know, only bring that out if the zombies start to appear. Um, and I don't think they are. Fact checkers rush to defend him on everything. But how in the flying fuck does that guy get nominated? An anti-gun person to take over the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Every single person Trump nominated was Satan incarnate. This motherfucker really is. Chipman worked at Giffords, which advocates for gun bans. CNN called Chipman a fierce advocate for gun control. Chipman locked his Twitter account so people could not see what he stated publicly. However, a comparison of his online archive to current account appears to show that he deleted a thousand tweets or more. In addition to working at Giffords, the gun control group, former Congressman Gabriel Gifford and her husband Mark Kelly launched. Chipman worked for ATF SWAT team and served as special agent in charge of ATF's firearm program. The resume Chipman provided to Congress shows he worked on Branch Davidian trial. The ATF was interested in a religious cult for stockpiling legal firearms. When the ATF went to see, blah, blah, blah. During the time negotiated range, uh, I'm not going to read that, we kind of got it. But Chipman had t- uh, defended the ATF. At Waco, cult members used two, two 50 caliber Brerets to shoot down two Texas Air National Guards. That is not even true. None of that is true. That's completely not true. No, there's no, I mean, I'm not a Branch Davidian. I was on the ATF side. I'm not saying it's fucked up. I'm not one of those people when a liberal does it. No, I'm just saying that's a fucking lie. Rules for thee, but not me. In the same AMA, Chipman called for a ban on production and sale of so-called assault weapons. It has been estimated there are about 15 million assault rifles currently in circulation. I believe we should ban the future production and sale of civilians and afford current owners of these firearms the ability to license these particular guns with ATF under the National Firearm Act. He's for all the red, red fucking flag shit, which once again you know... The red flag just means your neighbor doesn't like you. He's a Second Amendment progressive. Chipman favors a heavy-hand approach to revising American Second Amendment rights. As he wrote for the Roanoke Times last year, Chipman insisted that he is a proud gun owner who has sometimes been mischaracterized, mischaracterized as a gun grabber. Nevertheless, he stated that renegade local governments of Virginia that declare themselves constitutional counties in the face of gun control measures are dangerous new phenomenon. Oh, really? How about all you motherfuckers who ignored federal fucking immigration law? You built this. This is all you. All of it. You. Uh, mock new gun owners. We saw it. Give her senior advisor. That's just all I need to say. That's all I need to say. That's it. That's it. If you worked with Gabby Gifford and every town and all them, no. National Review. Biden nominates anti-gun fanatic. That's who he is. And the best part of all of it, he starts this briefing Going with the old AFT. The motherfucker doesn't know what he's talking about. 
He doesn't know it. He has no clue what he's speaking. He just rolls with whatever they stick in front of him. And, you know, you could say a lot about Trump and say Trump was a blowhard and he was a dickhead and all this kind of shit. But let's break it down. At least he had opinions. He knew he was versed, basically, on what he was speaking. Two former NFL players, each charged with murder on the same day. One guy walked in and shot five motherfuckers, but he's black. Use of force experts state witness throws wrench at prosecution's knee-on-the-neck narrative. And since we're not really got that much time today, well, let's play Tucker Guns. And then we're going to go into the knee-on-the-neck, and then we'll segue to now what he's going to do, because the Constitution, Bill of Rights, just take and wipe your motherfucking taint with it. Doesn't matter to this motherfucker, because he's going after the goddamn Supreme Court, too. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight we often accuse politicians of dishonesty on this show, but there are grades of it. Let's boil it down. Nothing the Democratic Party advocates for is more dishonest than gun control. Everything about that one specific issue is false. Most policy debates actually aren't like that, and we try to be honest about it on the show. No matter how passionate you are about a position that you have, you can still sort of see what the other side is talking about. You might, for example,
I'm downloading the, the Ben Shapiro because we'll cover that last. Let's move right into this. MSDNC host blasts naive liberal on Supreme Court. Give Biden a seat now. In a uh, MSMD, M- MSDNC piece, Hassan mocked the, liberal, mocked the liberal justice for his insistence that the court not become pol- politicians in robes. The TV personality scoffed, seriously, it's hard to pick which words in that statement I find the most naive, misguided, and self-serving. Breyer went to, wants his fellow liberals to think long and hard before expanding or packing the court, or as he puts it, structurally alteration motivated by the perception of political. By the end, this motherfucker pushes for him to... Do something. Pack the court. As Charlie Cook says, Jared Biden is studying ways to expand the Supreme Court. He's trying to pass multi-trillion dollar bills with one-party rule. He signed record number of executive orders. He said yesterday an amendment is absolute, is not absolute. Uh, but sure, Trump was the one who was bad. You don't do this unless you know you'll never lose power. So to the Dennis's of New York and another freaking never Trumper, the two other ones that don't want their name on my show, they don't do it if they don't know they'll never lose power. Filibuster, second states, you don't do all this shit Unless you know you're never going to lose power. And HR1 and S1 is their way that they never give up power. You have S1 now. You have 30 million fucking illegals plus two more, at least a million this year. Conservative estimates. You never give up power. So you don't have to worry about the blowback that if you get rid of the filibuster when you're not in power, you can't stop anything. You don't worry about the blowback that, oh, if you expand the court, well, well, they're in charge. They'll get their own fucking justices, and then we're in a stalemate because they believe forever they'll be in power because that's their plan. That's why guys like me were going, I don't care if Trump is fucking Hitler. Vote for him. These motherfuckers will never give up power. They thought they had it forever. They won in 2012. They were going to win in 2016. They were going to put a gay, tranny, Latino, black, Peruvian, able, uh, handicapped person. They hit all the blocks. The demographics were going to catch up. They were going to make every illegal legal. They'll never lose power. And I don't give a fuck about... Latinos, long-term, become conservative, and yada, fucking yada. No, they don't. No, they don't. How far have you gone up from fucking Bush? 40 to 45? Since 2004? With this kind of media, it's impossible to break through to people because people are stupid. They're not going to research shit. They go to the internet. And when Google owns it, Microsoft owns it, Apple owns it, you can't fucking even watch videos. Twitter suppresses everything. Facebook takes you down. Where are they going to get this information? That everything they're saying is a lie. Then they can't. His fucking White House announces Yamichi Alcinder, who is all wet now, 
announces a commission on the Supreme Court to look at, among other things, the court's role in the constitutional system, the length of service, the turnover of justice on court, the membership and size of court, and the court's case selection rules and practices. It's going to be a bipartisan experts. My hairy ass. That means they'll just get somebody that's not a fucking zealot. Did the DNC draft this? New York Times spin on Joe Biden's commission to study packing SCOTUS with progressive is truly something special. Breaking news. President Biden will create a panel to study expanding the Supreme Court in an effort to balance the conservative majority created by Donald Trump. Donald Trump created it. Not the framers of the Constitution who say that the President of the United States, the current President, not the one we want, not the one who still thinks she is, because remember, you're a seditionist and you think Biden didn't get hooked up somehow with them 81 million votes. You're an anti-American piece of shit that needs to go to a jail and stay there forever, and I'm an idiot. I played that soundbite on the beginning. I I, I said it. I was going to play a soundbite. I did play the new one. Literally showing they're getting beaten in jail. They're not getting representation because they trespassed. I belong with them because I'm a tower shooter or I'll storm buildings because I don't believe Donald Trump was such a bad guy that we just throw out every fucking thing we've ever done in this country. Just fucking toss it. And let some geriatric motherfucker who doesn't even know what he's passing, signing, he has no original thoughts, he's been in Washington for fucking ever, just rig the system forever. Ever. This is a political power grab. That's all this is. But never Trumpers, Bill Crystal, everybody. Oh, Trump stacked the deck. No. That's the system. He was the president. Not Hillary Clinton, who you all wanted. When it was okay to question elections. That was my point. I went on a segue. Brian Kemp's the governor. Not Stacey Abrams, who you all want to be. And they get the power to elect judges. It just happened that people died. And they get replaced. None of this would happen if it was 6-4 to four lib. And the simple fact of it is, that's a fucking lie, because Roberts is a liberal. This whole court packing thing is just the stupidest thing I ever heard, because he votes with the liberals every time. So it's a 5-5 court. That's what it is. It's not 6-4, to four, it's 5-5. Five five. And every conservative one isn't a Kagan or a Sotomayor. They're not activists who really weren't judges who became a Supreme Court justice and the media lied to us about how good they are at the law. They're just so fucking nonpartisan. And then they get up there and they just do extreme shit. Jesus fucking Christ, you goddamn people. This is what you wrought on us. Max Berger, terrible, terrible, no good, very stupid thread shining about how the Senate works. Max Berger, vibe check. Maybe a bunch of white slave owners of 1700s did not come up with the best government ever. And this is another person saying that you don't deserve representation if you live in Tennessee or Idaho or Wyoming. Only New Yorkers get shit. California. 
in Texas after they dumped so many fucking illegals. We have a tape in a bit where a guy's doing a soundbite and there's just people streaming in. Well, change those demographics. His follow-up. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with Joe Manchin refusing reform to abolish the filibuster. Then you got Biden saying stupid shit like this. I'm not trying to punish anybody, but damn it. Maybe it's because I come from middle-class neighborhood. I'm sick and tired of ordinary people getting fleeced. Unless they're white and they live in a red state. Because your ATF shit would fleece me. $200 a magazine? I don't even know how many magazines I own for RARs. Stupid like this should hurt. Lefty professor claiming Second Amendment was about maintaining slavery and white supremacy gets brutal history civics lesson. Jared Yates Sexton, which was my first tweet up here. Let's go back to it. The Second Amendment was about maintaining slavery and as a white supremacist guard against uprising by people of color. Knowing that, there's no real need to go much further in diagnosing why the right sweatily clings to it with such desperation. This is the most idiotic, nonsensical, factless, baseless drivel I've ever read. Perhaps that's ever been written. Reading is fundamental, and Reagan was n- was pro-gun control, you moron, and people just go on tear them apart. So it's just not this racist motherfucker who's going to get in a tower and shoot because he owns an AR because he likes it and because he served fucking 20 years so he kind of thinks he has the right to have an AR to go target practicing. Not kill babies. Not go out and shoot black people. Not get in my goddamn Dukes of Hazard fucking car. Red flag! Your south will ride. No, it's just a fucking gun. And then the Messi Institute. Won't read it because most of you, I'm preaching to the choir. Red flag laws, latest anti-gun scheme. All red flag laws are is a way for these motherfuckers to take your fucking gun. Say it with me. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with anything else. It is just a way to take your gun. We got to take your gun. We can't legally do it because it's a fucking constitution and it gets in the way. Well, I guess it doesn't because now your president, the greatest man ever for some of these fucking old conservative people, he says it's, uh, it doesn't have nothing to do with anything. It's not sacrosanct. It's not anything. It's just in the fucking way. So get rid of it. Just get rid of all these amendments, especially the 13th. Duck that one, Joe. Fucking jackass. Let's listen to fucking Ben Shapiro. I don't want to miss this segment about the Chauvin case. The Derek Chauvin trial continues in Minneapolis. And if you watch the media, the takeaway that you're going to get from the media is that this trial is over, that the trial shouldn't even be taking place. And in fact, if you watch members of sort of the glitterati talk about the Chauvin trial, they're saying things like, why is there even a trial? There's a tape. We've all seen the tape. And if you look at the headlines from the media, the headlines from the media only feature the stuff the prosecution is saying. It's kind of amazing, actually. The media are not featuring any of the headlines that are being made on cross, which is the stuff that's actually the news. Instead, they're only focusing in on what the prosecution is claiming so that you would think that the outcome in this case is a foregone conclusion. And the reason they are doing that is because if you think that this case is a foregone conclusion, that means there's only one reason and one reason alone that Derek Chauvin might be acquitted in this particular case. And that, of course, is the media's favorite narrative. 
systemic American racism. If Chauvin is acquitted, say the media, the only reason that could happen is systemic American racism because this case, this case is absolutely clear cut. There are no questions to be asked about it. There is no reason that you would be worried about it. For example, here's a Washington Post headline from yesterday. Quote, trial to resume after training officer says an unauthorized neck restraint was used on George Floyd. So sounds like an unauthorized neck restraint was used on George Floyd, according to uncontroverted testimony from the prosecution witness. This means it was an unauthorized neck restraint, which means that this looks a lot like felony assault, except what we will explore in just a second is that on cross, most of the main witnesses for the state have been falling apart. Remember, the standard here is reasonable doubt. Now, I'm not making the case that Chauvin is innocent. I don't know. Neither do you. And this is the point. The standard in American criminal law is reasonable doubt. And Let's just put it out there right now. If you look at this case and you don't see reasonable doubt, I'm not sure what case you are watching. It seems to me that you want to come to a conclusion that was already preset in your mind. If you're watching how this case is going for the prosecution and your immediate takeaway is it's still as clear cut as I thought it was before the trial. If anything, this case has made the case for Chauvin significantly stronger and the defense hasn't even begun its own formal defense as of yet. How bad is this case going for the prosecution? The prosecution called a witness the other day. They called a witness who is a a use of force expert. And the use of force expert was so bad that the prosecutors were getting visibly angry at their own witness. A medical support expert for the Minneapolis Police Department was called by the prosecution. She was so bad that the defense is going to call her. The prosecution witness, the defense is going to turn around and call the prosecution witness because the prosecution witness was so bad for the prosecution in this case. Does this mean prosecutors are incompetent? No, it means this case is actually extremely difficult on the fact pattern because there are several things that were never proved by the media before we had 20 million people out in the streets suggesting, number one, that this was a case of uncontroverted police evil and brutality, and two, that it was a case of police racism. The second claim, nobody ever bothered to substantiate at all. That's truly an amazing thing. The entire BLM movement was rooted in the lie that America's police officers are systemically racist, that they are out to get black people and George Floyd was used as exhibit A. They have still yet to demonstrate an iota of evidence that Derek Chauvin's behavior was driven by animus for black people. Like they've not demonstrated any of it. Now, what's amazing about that is that you can absolutely find cases in America in which there's an uncontroverted fact pattern of racism. So for example, if you look at the Ahmed Arbery case down in Georgia, this is the case where there's a black guy and he was trespassing in a house and then somebody saw him trespassing in the house. It was an empty house. So he was, he was trespassing in like an empty construction site. And then he started running away. The original story, he was just jogging through the neighborhood. That wasn't true. But what happened is some people started chasing him in their trucks. They stopped the trucks. And according to some of the witness testimony, they after he confronted them and they were holding guns trying to stop him and hold him for the cops, which they weren't supposed to be doing. After he did that, they shot him. Okay, And apparently the N-word was used. That seems like at least an allegation of racism that could hold up in court. You know what? has never been alleged about the Chauvin case, any element of racism. They've never found it. You think they wouldn't have dug? You think they wouldn't have gone into Derek Chauvin's social media posts and tried to find something? Okay, so that claim was never substantiated in any way. But here's the thing. Even if that claim had been substantiated in some way, it would not answer the question as to whether Chauvin actually murdered George Floyd. So to reset here, here is what George Floyd has been charged with. He has been charged with second-degree murder, or Derek Chauvin has been charged with second-degree murder, third-degree murder, third-degree manslaughter. Those are the three crimes with which Chauvin has been charged. Okay, in order for the prosecution in this particular case to elicit a guilty verdict, they first have to show causation. That it was Chauvin's actions that led to the death of George Floyd. And that's actually a pretty high bar as we're going to explore in just one moment. 
The autopsy report, for example, showed that Floyd had fentanyl and methamphetamine in his system. In fact, he had three times what is normally considered the fatal dose of fentanyl in his system. Now, some people are arguing that he'd built up a resistance to fentanyl over the years. Three times the amount that normally kills somebody is still a lot of fentanyl. It's enough fentanyl to kill a horse. That was in his system. The, the original medical autopsy, the only actual medical autopsy done of Floyd's body, found that Chauvin's neck hold did not, in fact, cause any damage to Floyd's trachea. So the notion that he, dam that he choked him to death, that he couldn't breathe because his airway was being compressed, that was not true. So maybe Chauvin's neck restraint contributed to Floyd's death by ratcheting up his blood pressure. But here's the thing. Would that have happened if Floyd did not already have a 75% arterial blockage? Very doubtful. Did drug use have something to do with Floyd's death? Seems like that is, a, a, a as we will see, a fairly well-evidenced case is that his drug use had something to do with his death. Okay, and then you get to the actual charges and the elements of the actual charges in the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin case are very difficult to prove. First of all, there's second degree murder. Okay, second degree murder requires that the prosecution has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Chauvin unintentionally killed Floyd while committing a felony, in this case, felony assault. In other words, he was committing a felony on Floyd simply, like if nothing else had happened in this case, if Floyd didn't die, that would have been felony assault, what Chauvin was doing to Floyd. That's gonna be very, very difficult to prove because that requires intentional infliction of bodily harm. And as the defense has been suggesting throughout, the kind of use of force that Chauvin was using was actually a lesser use of force than the Minneapolis Police Department allows. They would have to show that Chauvin wanted to hurt Floyd, not just use a suppression tactic that had been greenlit by the Minneapolis Police Department. Third degree murder doesn't even apply. Third degree murder is third, depraved, what's called depraved heart murder, as I've suggested many times. Depraved heart murder is a crime where you shoot a gun into a crowd. And we can't convict you of specific intent to kill Bob, but Bob was one of the members of the crowd. So we convict you instead of depraved heart murder because he didn't care who died. He just knew somebody was likely to die when you shot a gun into the crowd. That doesn't apply here because Chauvin didn't neck suppress 100 people and one of them died. That's not the way this worked. And then there's second degree manslaughter, not third degree, second degree manslaughter. That requires the prosecution prove that Chauvin acted with gross negligence. But gross negligence would have to show that Chauvin should have known his behavior might actually cause Floyd's death. Okay, but how many times has this suppression tactic been used on various suspects? How many of them actually die? In the absence of excited delirium or in the absence of serious drug use or serious heart problem. So in any case, this is not an easy case. And we're going to get into all of the testimony that's been had over the past couple of days because it's horrible for the prosecution case. But the broader point here is that the media are ignoring so much of this. The media do not want to report any of this stuff. What the media would like to report, you'll see some of it covered on headline news, to be fair. What the mainstream media are reporting, the establishment media, the Washington Post, what they are reporting is that not only is Chauvin guilty, no question he's guilty, police departments all over America are guilty. We'll get to that lie in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you wake up in the morning, you're getting ready for work, you're getting ready for school. You know what's something can make you feel really put together? It, I'm a big watch guy. I love watches. I just love being able to tell the time. I love being able to look down at my wrist and see a nice object lying there. Well, if you want a great wristwatch that is not going to cost you a fortune, let me introduce you to my friends over at Vincero. Look, this is a great looking watch. This is a beautiful looking watch and it is not going to cost you thousands of dollars. Vincero is loved by some of your favorite entrepreneurs, commentators, and hosts like me. I love Vincero products. In fact, I've given Vincero products to nearly every member of my immediate and extended family. For their price, they are the best watch that you can buy. Right now is a perfect time to shop Vincero because right now is Vincero's spring upgrade sale. They have what you need to upgrade your style for the spring. Take up to 30% 
off on all of their brand new watches and accessories. Get ready to hit this spring and summer feeling like a new person. This is one of their biggest sales of the year. It's here for a few days only. That's why they offer a five-year warranty and a 365-day return policy because they stand behind every product they make. Head on over to vincerocollective.com forward slash Shapiro. V-I-N-C-E-R-O collective.com forward slash Shapiro. No code required. Your discount will be automatically applied at checkout. Only if you access that sale by heading on over to vincerocollective.com slash Shapiro. Everything on the site, up to 30% off. No exclusions. That includes sunglasses, wallets, bracelets. Go to my link. Check out the awesome sale going on at Vincero and get yourself a nice watch. It's not going to cost you a fortune. Okay, so as I say, the media agenda here is to suggest that this case is a foregone conclusion, that there are no serious doubts that any rational jury could have. The Washington Post is pushing this idea, their editorial board today. They say, one of the things that this case is not about at all is all policing or all policing. This is what the prosecution told the jury in opening arguments in the trial of former Minneapolis police officer charged with the murder of George Floyd. Driving home that point, prosecutors have called to the witness stand a number of police officers to testify against Derek Chauvin, all of whom condemned how he knelt on Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. The spectacle of so many officers testifying against one of their own was unusual and a welcome break from the so-called blue wall of silence that has long enabled police misconduct. However, the singling out of Mr. Chauvin doesn't give a pass to Minneapolis or other cities for the systemic issues that have fueled brutality against people of color. Most police officers serve bravely and with integrity, says the Washington Post. If Mr. Chauvin, as the prosecution has essentially argued, is that rare bad apple who violated his badge, why wasn't something done sooner? During his nearly two decades with the department, Mr. Chauvin shot one suspect, was involved in the fatal shooting of another, and received at least 17 complaints. Okay, number one, is the Washington Post making an allegation it was a wrongful shooting? Either of those? Really, where's the allegation? Do we have any details on the allegations? As far as being the subject of complaints, police officers are routinely subjected to complaints, the vast majority of which are completely specious. The vast majority of complaints against police officers generally involve suspects involved in bad behavior who don't like the fact that they are being arrested. But says the Washington Post, if police training is state of the art, how to account for the failure of other police to act, including three officers who are set to go to trial in August for aiding and abetting Floyd's murder. By the way, no way those guys get convicted. That's going to be so hard to to try and convict those guys. One has to wonder what would have happened if a young bystander to Floyd's arrest hadn't had the presence of mind and bravery to film the events and show the world the damning evidence. Would George Floyd have become just another instance of force used disproportionately against black people? Prosecutors are right that the jury will decide the guilt or innocence of Mr. Chauvin, but make no mistake, policing is also on trial. Okay, the predicate to that piece is that there is no doubt whatsoever that not only did Chauvin act wrongly, not only did he misjudge the situation, He purposefully killed George Floyd and police all over the country are doing the same. There's only one problem with this narrative. The evidence is not backing it up thus far in this case. It just is not. Okay, so let's begin with the chief question here. What was the cause of death? So in order to convict Chauvin of murder, you first have to show causation, that it was his actions that led to Floyd's death. And it can't just be but for causation. Okay, there's two types of causation. There's causation in fact, and there's but for causation. But for causation means there's a chain of events leading to an outcome. But for any link in that chain, the outcome would not happen. So for example, if George Floyd doesn't get out of bed in the morning, he doesn't die that day, maybe, right? So that is a but-for causation fact. If if the person in front of him at the stoplight had sped through a yellow, maybe he's not there at that particular time and place. Is that person responsible for his death? No, because there's a difference between but-for causation and then causation in fact. If there are many intervening factors in a particular case, that goes to the question of causation in fact. So the defense is arguing, I think on fairly strong terms here, that George Floyd's massive drug use contributed to his death. And that if you have to allocate where the causation lies, it lies much more with with Floyd's drug use than it lies with Chauvin using this suppression hold. 
Hey, this is the subject of controversy, but that's the entire point. You don't have to believe that the defense is 100% correct to acknowledge that reasonable doubt exists. Because again, the standard in criminal law is not who do I think is right, but can you prove beyond a reasonable doubt? That's a very high standard in criminal law. Beyond a reasonable doubt that Chauvin killed Floyd, not Floyd's pre-existing heart condition and massive drug use. Okay, so how extensive was Floyd's drug use? And people are saying this is slandering Floyd. It's not slandering Floyd. It goes to the heart of the case. This is one of the ways that the media bias the case. They say you're not even allowed to talk about Floyd's behavior in the lead up to the actual tape. You're not allowed to talk about Floyd's medical status. Well, if you're not allowed to talk about that stuff, then we should, we honest to God, should not have defense in this country. We should not have legal defenses in this country if you can't talk about the factors leading to the guy's death. So this is not an argument about Floyd's character because frankly, his character doesn't matter here. The only thing that matters here is the causation. That's the only thing that matters. That's why I don't find it particularly relevant what his criminal history was He had a bad criminal history. I don't think it's very relevant to this case, what his criminal history was, other than police running his his name, for example, or his ID, and recognizing that maybe in the past he'd had run-ins with cops, and so you have to be extremely careful with him, right? The question is always, what is the relevance of the evidence to this particular case? So the, the relevance here is that George Floyd was a serious drug addict. Not only was he a serious drug addict, he's a serious drug addict who had overdosed in the recent past. Courtney Ross is Floyd's girlfriend, and she testified on the stand that just a few months ago, he actually overdosed and then she had to bring him to the ER. He wasn't feeling good. His stomach really hurt. He was doubled over in pain. Um, just wasn't feeling well. And he said he had to go to the hospital. So I took him straight to the hospital. You later learned that that was uh, due to an overdose? Yes. Okay, well, he'd already overdosed in the past few months. Not only did he already overdose in the past few months, as we will see, he was high at the time that he was arrested. Quite high, right? By the, by the toxicology report, very, very high. And not only that, his drug dealer was in the car with him, in all likelihood. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let us talk about the fact that right now, a lot of people have massive credit card bills. Well, one way that you can absolutely bankrupt yourself, I mean, I know people this has happened to, it's really terrible. They start running up the credit card bills, then they start falling behind on the, on the payments. Once you do that, you are toast because the the interest rates on these credit cards are exorbitant. This is why if you're financially responsible and you find yourself in this situation, it really makes sense to consolidate those credit card loans with Lightstream. It's an easy way to save hundreds or thousands of dollars and lower your interest rate. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. It's lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 18% APR. The rate is fixed. It's not going to go up over the life of the loan and there are no fees. You can get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That's exactly what they deliver. Just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount. Save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Shapiro. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Shapiro. Lightstream.com slash Shapiro. Subject to credit approval rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Shapiro for more information. Alrighty, so it turns out that the man in the car with George Floyd the day he died refuses to testify. Now, his testimony might be relevant, you think? The reason that he's refusing to testify is because he was his drug dealer. The man's name is Maurice Hall. He's currently in jail. He appeared via Zoom at a court hearing on Tuesday morning in which his attorney argued he has no immunity from prosecution that stems from testimony about his and Floyd's behavior while seated in a Mercedes-Benz SUV shortly before the police arrived on May 25th and arrested Floyd. Hey, now, here's the weird part. Here's the weird part. Normally, it is the prosecution 
that can offer immunity. Not normally. It's the only way this works. The prosecution goes to somebody whose testimony they want, and they offer him immunity in exchange for his testimony. The prosecution doesn't want Maurice Hall to testify. Isn't that somewhat suspicious? The man sitting next to George Floyd in the car, his drug dealer, they don't want him to testify. And the defense can't compel his testimony because he can use the fifth. Why is he claiming the fifth? Why is he saying that he might incriminate himself? Because he is afraid that he's going to be forced to testify that he gave George Floyd the drugs that killed him, and then he will be charged with third-degree manslaughter. That is what he is afraid of, or third-degree homicide, because he was committing a felony. It's a, so that means it's felony murder. right? So this is a serious problem. Okay, If you're the prosecution, normally, it would seem kind of relevant to, you know, question the guy in the car with Floyd. Maybe that guy says that Floyd wasn't high. Maybe that guy says that Floyd wasn't exhibiting no symptoms of, of having any sort of medical trouble, right? All that testimony would be relevant. The prosecution is not offering him immunity because they don't want him to testify. And the reason they don't want him to testify is because they are afraid that then the defense will question the guy and the defense will say, by the way, didn't you give this, this guy enough drugs to kill him? And then the case is exploded. So it's kind of a big deal that Maurice Hall does not want to testify. For the record, this is what you get from YouTube. Back to my previous rant. This is what you get. It's inappropriate to talk about facts. Because facts are bullshit. They get in the way of the narrative. And nowhere is it more evident as we segue from guns. Don't worry, there'll be more. To our media jerk off of the week. I am the media jerk off of the week. So hot. President Biden defending his $2 trillion infrastructure plan and his plan to raise the corporate tax rate. He says the projects across this country will create millions of jobs, rebuilding roads and bridges, bringing Internet access to all of America, small towns and rural America. And tonight here, some of the bridges due to be fixed and what we're hearing on the ground. With his $2 trillion infrastructure plan facing resistance from Republicans on Capitol Hill, President Biden today with a blunt warning to the GOP, saying he's open to compromise, but not inaction. Also $115 billion to fix 20,000 miles of roads and more than 10,000 bridges badly in need of repair. Bridges like the Scudder Falls Bridge in Pennsylvania or the Calcasieu River Bridge in Louisiana and the crumbling Brent Spence Bridge over the Ohio River. Over 50 years old, it's crucial to commerce across this country. So we are now one of the more than 160,000 vehicles that cross this bridge every single day. The thing is, it's only designed to handle half that amount. In the shadow of the bridge, Brad Slabaugh helps to run a concrete business. But the bridge in constant disrepair ends up costing everyone. The president defending his plan to increase the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 percent, which would still be lower than under the Obama and Bush administration. 
And tonight, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, running the biggest company in the country, says he's for the corporate tax increase. The Biden administration, I would guess, clearly hoping people on the ground like that business owner you just spoke with there are going to eventually help drive the politics on this in Washington. The roots of the border crisis, why people make the dangerous journey to the U.S. in the first place. Manuel Bajorquez reports from Guatemala on how climate change is forcing many into a difficult choice. This valley turned into a lake after back-to-back hurricanes lashed the region last year, with intensity and rainfall believed to be magnified by climate change. Climate change is coming on top of previous uh, problems like poverty, food insecurity. Edwin Castellano studies climate change at the University of the Valley of Guatemala. He pointed us to his research showing a dramatic spike in severe weather events here over the last decade compared to those past. You know, there's always a big debate around climate change and some people say they don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. But you say climate change is a factor that is driving people to the United States. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that if you ask most people here in Guatemala, it will be evident that most people believe in climate change because they have seen the the change in the climate. So many people there making a decision out of pure desperation. Mm -hmm. I never made a connection, though, until Manny's report between climate rolling back voter rights the republican push in more than 40 states to limit voting access these are the kind of people who will pass a law to keep jesus from beginning a cup of water while he's dying on the cross should we make it harder to vote based on lies or should we make it easier to vote so that more people can participate. This big lie from last fall, promoted by pro-Trump propaganda networks, is now the cover, is now the excuse for these attempts at voter suppression. We're watching the big lie turn into voter suppression before our very eyes. How do you at the DNC plan to contend with the voter suppression efforts that we're now seeing across the country? States across the country race to enact laws to suppress voting. Is this all voter suppression in action? Extraordinary surge of voter suppression laws. There's a huge wave of new voter suppression efforts. Republican suppression efforts. Massive voter suppression. Sweeping new voter suppression law in Georgia. Georgia's Jim Crow voter suppression law. The, the broadest attempt to make it more difficult for Americans to vote since the Jim Crow era before the Voting Rights Act. What is obviously a racist policy of trying to suppress the votes of non-white Voters. HR1 would stop these kind of things by putting in place pro voter policies. The For the People Voting Rights Bill, which would preempt much of the new Jim Crow style voter suppression in Georgia. If Democrats are going to prevent this from happening or reverse what's already been done, they really only have one option, and that is to end the filibuster to pass a nationwide floor of voting rights like what's contained in HR1. President Biden announced a series of executive actions on guns yesterday, but he acknowledged that his power is limited. He criticized efforts to oppose gun reform measures in Congress, saying that the Second Amendment is, quote, not absolute. We saw more than a handful of Republicans accuse President Biden of a gun grab after his comments and executive orders yesterday, even though gun reform advocates saw his actions as modest. The language that elected Republicans used yesterday in response, and frankly, the enthusiasm um, uh, with the language that they used, it indicates that we are farther apart from whatever a middle looks like. It does seem as if the right has shifted to a very extreme position on the Second Amendment in a collective fashion. It's not just your Lauren Boebert's, but it's a growing faction of, of even mainstream Republicans. 
Well, Chuck, it's part and parcel with the idea that kind of mainstream Republicanism got squashed during the Trump years. I mean, there is a much diminished sense of what it means to be a moderate Republican anymore on any of these issues. The group of people who might have said, if we band together, we can discuss this issue and protect ourselves from our own right flank doesn't really exist anymore right. in the modern. So there you have, uh, what, what, what was the first one? ABC. Um, we had infrastructure. We'll keep jerking off of this infrastructure. Then we have the border. It's not his fault. It's fucking climate change. A voting lie thing. Chuck Todd going all in. We need to take them motherfucking guns. But, oh, don't worry, boys and girls, because we got more. They, they went all in this week. Listen to this horseshit compilation. Voting. GOP hates people. Then they're telling companies how to motherfucking ban shit. And then finally realizing, oh, by the way, on this voting issue, it's bad for black people. Don't want that to happen. The president is really tuning out the noise, pushing ahead on guns, infrastructure, speeding up vaccinations while the GOP goes, you know, all in on Trump and the culture wars. Is this just the way it is now? Biden is on his own, getting things done, and the GOP is talking about things that are irrelevant. You recognize that music as the 85 <laughs> Masters Golf Tournament is underway this Beautiful. morning in Augusta, Beautiful. Georgia. It begins under a cloud of controversy over Georgia's restrictive new voting law, as we've been telling you about all week now. Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta last week. In response to that measure, Viacom CBS, that's us, is one of the many companies publicly opposing the voting law. CBS Sports will broadcast the Masters as it's done for more than 60 years. Got history there. This year, the Masters is honoring 86-year-old Lee Elder. That's a good thing. In 1975, Elder became the first black man to compete in the tournament. That was a monumental moment for the sport. Augusta National Golf Club chairman Fred Ridley officially began the tournament this morning, along with golf greats Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, and Lee Elder at the honorary starter ceremony. There's so much iconic about Good morning. On behalf of the membership of Augusta National Golf Club, Welcome to the 2021 Masters Tournament. Simply put, to make it really clear for our viewers, does Lyft oppose the new voting law in Georgia and SB7 that passed in Texas and similar restrictive voting laws across the country? Yes, we do. Uh, we, we believe that elected officials should make it easier, not harder to vote. But you oppose boycotts, which is interesting given the discussion now. So I think the question then becomes, look, if you just look at Georgia, Texas, Arizona, for example, you guys operate in 101 cities in those states. That's about 15 percent of your total market. What are you going to do to fight laws that are on the cusp of passing in those states and others? Is it is it all you can do? I mean, that's really the question now, because a lot of these most restrictive laws and bills have been proposed after the 2020 election. And you are pushing now uh, publicly passing of the John Lewis Voting Rights Act that basically fills what was gutted from it by the Supreme Court in 2013. Is there more you can actually do? Like, would you consider pulling out of a city? Is it now your job as the head of a, of a public company to use your power and your money to decide and push what you think is best for people, even outside of your core business? 
I wonder if you think using your voice louder and more CEOs speaking out sooner about this law in Georgia as it was making its way through the state I legislature so. or as Texas, if that would have made a difference. Because there are some looking now and saying, why weren't you guys screaming at the top of your lungs a month? The unintended fallout from the MLB moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta on local businesses. In Atlanta, the MLB's decision to move the All-Star game to protest Georgia's new voting law has many small business owners facing a new hit. After months of seeing his sales stunted by the pandemic, Sean Cooper thought All-Star weekend was his chance to make up ground. Just in this one weekend, over 20,000. 20,000? Yes. That's more than double what you normally see on a weekend. Wait, wait, yes, way more than double. His restaurant sits in the shadow of Truist Park, home of the Atlanta Braves, and until last week, home of this year's All-Star Game. Now he's among dozens of disappointed businesses facing financial loss with MLB moving the game out of Georgia, taking a stand over the state's new voting law and taking tens of millions of dollars in tourist revenue. The game is now headed west to Denver and critics point out to a city with a very different demographic. Black people comprise more than half of Atlanta's population. In Denver, it's less than 10%. It's the unintended consequence of taking a stand. It draws more eyes and attention to the conversation, but the trade-off, what gets lost in the shuffle, are these businesses who are desperate for more revenue. The pandemic has already taken a disproportionate toll on black businesses. Now, Remember, 373 times the filibuster has been used by Democrats, only once by Republicans. I just want to make sure we got this. And then I want to go back in time. We're not biased. We're liberals. How cultural leftism will slant social media regulations. That was Forbes. Then you have Politico magazine. The media bubble is worse than you think. I could break that shit out again and talk about all the times we have covered on this fucking show how these cocksucking motherfucking journalists all live in blue states and vote 98% Democrat. Of course they're for it, but why would I? This is just a gem. They will do anything, anything, anything to defend. Then the media literally went crazy about a Kentucky voting law and Kemp brings it out. It's worse than theirs. It's worse than fucking goddamn Georgia's. But we didn't talk about what was really in the bill. We didn't even read the bill. Because why would we? It's just so easy to say everybody's racist. Go with the narrative, just like Chauvin, because that Ben Shapiro breaks it down. They're not going to talk about the negatives because they want the riots. They want America unstable. They want fucking Biden to take your gun, lock you in your house. They want all that shit. If the media had it their way, we would all still be in lockdown. They'd implement their new government, overthrow everything, dump all sorts of shit, send their shock troops around to collect your weapons, and they'd run the country forever. And if you didn't like it, you just go to fucking jail for trespassing. Like, forever. People burned and looted and got out of jail the same day. I'm going to keep harping on the Capitol. They're still in jail. For trespassing. My favorite was somebody decided to go to one of these little slinky fuckers. And that's the wrong thing. And I'm fucked up. So just ignore it. Just ignore it. Ted Frank. Jake. How can you work for a company headquartered in Georgia? Don't you have a moral obligation to quit and relocate to Alaska or Maine-based media company if your employer won't boycott the state? 
There's a difference between reporting on why a company made a decision and expressing an opinion about the decision. Thought you were capable of distinguishing, but apparently not. You're an idiot. I'm super smart. You're not very good looking. I am. Reply. Don't claim you approved of journalistic harassment techniques on behalf of an activist cause. If you're claiming the question is inappropriate to you and other people who work in Georgia, that's a reasonable and correct answer. But you should state that clearly. Let me state this clearly. Go away. Who are you? Who are you? You just shut your fucking mouth. Shut your fucking mouth. They're so all in on this. This Eugene Robinson, literally, op-ed, Georgia law is almost verbatim repeat of Jim Crow. But he gets away with it because he's black. Because he can. Just, just can. It's how we roll now. They can say whatever the fuck they want. None of it has to be true. When you do, like Joe Scarborough this week, literally said, hey, this is bad. You're kind of stupid. Why'd you do it? He got nuked, so he shut up reverse course. Dead spin. Of course the PGA won't stand against Georgia by moving to the Masters. Why would they? And then you got a Kessler. That's what I was fucking up and going across. And we're going to get into this. It's it's pretty good shit. Border. New CBP has published March numbers showing 172,331 taken into custody. The blue line on the graph below is 2021 CBP had to redo its chart to stretch the y-axis. Blue line shows increase in unaccompanied minors with 18,890 uh, 18, taken in custody in March, a record. Increase the family unit members. You can read. Again, cluster. Well, I guess the Biden White House line that this is the usual annual migration surge at the border is no longer operative. There's another word for it, Glenn. Let's see if you can figure it out. Here's a hint. Three letters. Rhymes with tie. They're not, they're not going to do it. Why would they do it? So, of our media, only... I had a hang-up. Let me reload. All right, let's try it again. So, of our media, only Peter Ducey is calling her out on her bullshit, and that being Pisaki. Uh, is the White House concerned that Major League Baseball is moving their All-Star game to Colorado, where voting regulations are very similar to Georgia? Well, let me just refer, the few, refute uh, the first point uh, you made. Uh, first, let me say, um, on Colorado, um, Colorado uh, allows you to register on Election Day. Uh, Colorado has voting by mail, where they send to 100% of people in the state uh, who are eligible uh, applications to vote by mail. 94% of people in Colorado voted by mail in the 2020 election. Uh, And they also allow for a range of um, uh, materials to provide, uh, even if they vote on Election Day, for the limited number of people who, who vote on Election Day. I think it's important to remember the context here. Uh, the Georgia legislation is built on a lie. Uh, it's There was no widespread fraud in the 2020 election. 
uh, Georgia's top Republican election officials have acknowledged that repeatedly in interviews. Uh, and what there was, however, was record-setting turnout, especially by voters of color. So instead, what we're seeing here is in, for politicians who didn't like the outcome, uh, they're not changing their policies uh, to win more votes. They're changing the rules to exclude more voters. And we certainly see the circumstances as different. But ultimately, sorry, let me add one more thing. It's up to Major League Baseball to determine where they're holding their all-star game. Okay. Then we get to the 60-minute shit. New emails exposed 60 Minutes team wasn't interested in a fair shot for DeSantis. Pointer concedes that 60 Minutes had a sloppy moment with their hit job on Ron DeSantis. Robbie Sov, the 60 Minutes DeSantis public story is the biggest journalism screw-up in quite a while, but with one exception, nobody in Watdogs and mainstream outlets are covering it. Why? Neither the New York Times nor Washington Post have covered this. Nothing from CJR or Pointer. The PolitiFact truth mirror dial hasn't budged. Worst of all, Axios framed the story as DeSantis trying to milk his mistreatment, calling it a juicy chance to integrate himself with the GOP base by bashing the media. Uh, the media bashing is well-deserved here. DeSantis didn't start this. CBS did. The exception is CNN, Oliver Dosey, who wrote a strong piece about all of this. But... For the most part, it's fallen to Fox News, The Federalist, Daily Caller, Daily Wild, MSM Silence. Makes it seem like the matter is contentious with the right wing on one side and the liberal journals on the other. It's not. CBS screwed up. Full stop. But then you get these gems. Chris Hayes. So, like, did we ever find out the actual deal with the Hunter laptop? I mean, maybe the widely improbable story about it was true, or maybe it was a cover story for a hack. But do we know? We're real news, Mr. President. Hunter Biden dismisses laptop story. Jonathan Turley. Kimmel's not a journalist. I'm not even playing it on my show. I just won't. That is just hot garbage. However, his show demonstrates how this false narrative is being replicated across news and entertainment platforms. It is well-executed effort to convert a privileged son into the type of hero of our times. The fact is that it will likely work. This scandal is simply not convenient, so Hunter will have to be redeeming rather than a reprehensible figure. So the Hunter-Biden reclamation project will continue. Keith Oberman. To him. You simply sold your soul, haven't you, Jonathan Turley? Shame on you. You've undone years of good public service to become a political whore. Are you being blackmailed? That's how they keep people in line. That's what Twitter does to our media. They, they, don't, they can't step out. You'll get hammered on Substack. Jim Garrity fact-checks President Biden's ridiculous claim that we'll have airplanes flying at 21,000 miles an hour. Yesterday, Biden said we're going to talk about commercial aircraft flying at subsonic speeds, supersonic speeds, to be able, figuratively, if you may, we decide to do it, traverse the world in about an hour, traveling 21,000 miles an hour. The first part of this vision is relatively realistic. The old retired Concorde did go at 1,354 miles per hour. The Soviet version of the Concorde... The TU-44 at a top speed of 1,600 miles an hour. And that sounds really appealing as long as you can overlook the fact that the 12.5% of all TU-144s built crashed. The crash of the Concorde jet just out Charles de Gaulle in 2000 didn't help, but what really forced supersonic passenger jets in retirement was that they, were, they weren't caught. They wasn't, which I, don't, I can't believe a journalist said that. 
cost-effective. Fuel costs would often exceed the revenue of the passengers. Oh, and sub- supersonic flight over the U.S. land is currently banned because the sonic booms could break windows. However, we might be able to mitigate that through improvement in technology. But Biden's vision of passenger aircraft that can traverse the world in about an hour, traveling 21,000 miles per hour, is a strong argument for mandatory drug testing at the White House. The fastest jet in the world is this SR-71. It goes at 2,100 miles per hour. Biden envisions passengers airline traveling 10 times. President Biden might as well promise warp speed, a hyperdrive, or teleportation. It goes well with his promise to cure cancer of elected president. That's a four-day news cycle under Trump. There's no lie-a-meter. How about this? Did you hear this? The Biden administration gave an $87 million no-big contract to house migrants to an organization with ties to the White House. That's a 10-day impeachment, would be said. The walls are closing in. Big three censor studies saying Biden's corporate tax rate will cost one million jobs in two years. Not playing it. You know it. That's what they do. They just lie. Because they can. It's pretty much what our world is now. Lies, mistruths, deceit, and one party gets to be fascist as fuck. Although they spent four years saying the other administration was fascist. Anybody who voted for him was a fascist, Nazi, racist. You lost friends over it. And now, crickets. Same people. Same people who dumped me. Crickets. You don't hear them. They don't say I was wrong. Everything we said they were going to do, they're doing. Every fucking thing. And these are those times I just hear those echoes of every never-Trumper. Trust the system. Where it's clearly obvious the system isn't what you thought it was, never-Trumpers. The system is about woke. So, let's get woke. Turn it up!
grandpa was watching a sexist movie last night and I asked him to turn it off so that I could talk to him about how and why it was sexist and why I didn't want him to watch it in front of me. He told me that I shouldn't be upset about other people's actions. Okay, so you know what? I backed his car out of the garage and I'm not gonna put it back in. As my action, I'm gonna leave it out there and I'm gonna see if it bothers him. And you know what else I'm gonna do? I'm gonna play Hot Girl Bummer and I'm gonna play that as loud as I want, whenever I want, at whatever time of day I want. Does that affect you? Oh, and now I can't live here, so that's fun. Mom! What are you doing? I can't believe you just barged in here like that. I didn't barge in. I knocked. And I would like for the two of you to please relocate to the couch downstairs, okay? What? What? Parts review is looking at the plate. Everything checks good. We're going to just nab it out. Then airplane set up for us to actually fly navigation all the way out for the hour nav departure. Captain, over you. Any special specific things you're going to do for me? Thank you. That sounds great. It looks like a great day. Flight attendant said they'll be ready to go in about 15 minutes. So well, I think we're all done here on my side. Looks like we're pretty good. I think we're waiting on a couple bags. Okay. Great. We're, we're way ahead of schedule. Good day. It's always good to be ahead. Yep. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. It is a four hour and 25. So that buffer is more meltdowns. The second one just reminds my daughter so much. She actually came to my house, changed my TVs, told me what I could say. They're just a weird generation. You saw 13-year-old curls on an NBC drama kissing. That's that's good. You saw um, absolutely spectacular. Who was she? I can't find out who it is. She's a health official getting booted for not having a mask. And then, of course, you saw United, and here's their statement. And everybody's beat this to death, but this is the world. This is who we put in charge of Civil Rights Division. It's not about skills. It's not about being good at your job. It's being the right skin color, sexual orientation, gender, which is a construct, but still women are better than men. Uh, even fake women that are dudes in dresses. They don't care about competence. That religion of intersectionality tells them so. And because we had a low, a, a slow news week, this is from CNN. Let me expand that a bit because this is just... Now, fonts are racist. Font is racist. We don't want people who can land the plane, and we don't want racist font. I will guarantee you, within a year, if you have any font in your word, it's going to get removed by Microsoft, the thought police. Then you have uh, Twitter women. Stop interrupting Women. That was a big thing this week. But once again, um, hey, last I checked, uh, there is no such thing as women. There's no women. What the fuck are you talking about? There's no women. Women don't exist. Is you crazy? Gender's a social construct. Then we got the CDC ladies. So last week, it was... I want to take a moment and pause for my feeling of impending doom. Also known as, 
We want to keep you motherfuckers locked down so we can still finish doing all our crazy shit and destroying the Constitution. Now, CDC director declares racism is a serious public health threat. You, you understand why they do this. It's no different than infrastructure. They do it so they can call it an emergency and do whatever the fuck they want. Infrastructure, they call everything infrastructure so that they can do it under reconciliation because it's financial bill. You couldn't get all this shit under a budget because nobody would approve it. But you could do it under an infrastructure bill because then you can just get 51 votes. Black Lives Matter co-founder buys $1.4 million Two-house compound in Topanga Canyon. Now the big thing is, that's violence. Saying that a person who got our hands on the $400 million that's unaccounted for, that all you woke fuckers handed them, and all the woke businesses did, for a group that wants to destroy the nuclear family, wants to destroy America, and is overtly racist in their Abraham Kendi ex-motherfucking all-white-people-racist bullshit, that's unaccounted for. We don't know where that money went. It's just there. Except for $1.4 million. It just bought a new house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we had this one. I, I, I was, my original thing was to pop some popcorn. But I have an actual popcorn popper. Like one of the good ones. And so I don't have bagged popcorn. Because I was going to play this and, uh, yeah, enjoy. First and foremost, my race... It has nothing to do with my politics, nothing to do with my opinions. And I don't appreciate you saying I need to stick by my own. My own is my family. My own is my my Christian brothers and sisters. My own is my British community. Do not dare to tell me that my own is decided by the color of my skin. Who the hell do you think you are? I'm an expert because I'm black. So I can talk about it. Of a historical past. And you're not? If you you want to deny that part of you, I put it to you that you are a racist. Oh, oh, oh yes, I, I can't. Opinion I'm, I need to have based on the color of my skin. That is outrageous. That is ridiculous. I, I, I don't know who you think you're talking to. How can you call me a racist when I defend black people? I just for, for, for many years on stock. Because you're telling a mixed race person what to think based on the color of their skin, and that's not okay. I'm telling not you that is racist. Well, you better you better deal with your historical trauma because it's quite clear you need some counselling. I have no historical with trauma. I mean, I mean Ken, Ken, let, let, let me just jump in a second here. I mean, Ken, do you get? the point that that Calvin is making. I mean, you're bringing in the fact that he is a mixed-race man and essentially saying, well, look, you know, this is not potentially an opinion you should be holding based on the fact that you're a mixed-race man. And there are some people, if I said to you uh, that I don't think you should hold a certain opinion, Ken, because of your skin colour, you would rightly accuse me of being racist. You would say that that's not an appropriate thing to say to you. So why I think Calvin's point, if I don't mind, you don't mind me saying Calvin, is that you are attributing an opinion he has to the skin colour he has, and that is certainly or surely seen as problematic. Well, simply, because simply speaking, that we're suffering from uh, systemic racism in this country. Whether the, the, the Tony Steele Prove report... It. Where's your evidence? Or whatever. That's nonsense. Right? It's that. But I'm just saying, this is what this is what I've experienced. 
And if he has an experience, I would like to know which part of England that he was born or he grew up to, he grew up in, and never experienced any racist ban a banter coming back at him. And and when we got when we got the press, that is. Are that we going to mute him eventually so I can speak? Against, you've asked Calvin a lot of questions there. Now, please just let him answer and, and, and don't try not to interrupt him. Calvin, the floor's yours. So, I have an opinion based on Meghan from what I've heard, from what I've seen. I don't like her as a person. I don't like what she's done to this country. I don't like the way she's treated a British institution. I think it's inappropriate. I think many people share my opinion. The colour of her skin has nothing to do with it. I don't dislike her because of the colour of her skin, and I shouldn't like her because of the colour of her skin. That would be racist. Now, for you to stand here and tell me that I need to like her or not like her because of the colour of her skin and because of the colour of my skin, that too is racist. And to, to tell me that this country has systemic racism without providing any evidence, without providing any proof, and then to refer to your own personal experience as proof is a nonsense. You might have experienced racism as an individual. That does not make you systemic. I And don't question my my past, don't question my upbringing. That's nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with this conversation, this debate. We are discussing a celebrity who has married into the British royal family. We're discussing whether she has lied on national television and we're discussing the appropriateness of a British journalist to question her integrity. My race, my childhood, my background has absolutely nothing to do with the conversation. And for you to bring that up and to raise that and to use that against me and to weaponize my race is racist. And I've frankly had enough of this conversation and I no longer want to engage with you, Kim. Good for him. He'll get ruined for it. But when you do things like that, Jason Whitlock, who was one of the people that I saw the tweet about the BLM founders $1.4 million compound, yeah, he got suspended on Twitter. Political violence. Political violence. And he's one of those people who doesn't use his race as a crutch. But, you know, whatever. Boston Hospital will offer preferential care based on race and race explicit inventions for patients. Brigham and Williams and Brigham and Women's Hospital will implement a reparation framework for dis distributing medical resources. Yeah. Not the most sick. We're not going to triage. We're triaging on race. Governor Phil Scott, he's a Republican. If you or anyone in your household identifies as BIPOC, black, indigenous, or person of color, including anyone with Abenaki or other First Nation heritage, all household members who are 16 or older can sign up to get a vaccine. So we're doing it on our vaccines, too. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's good shit. That, that's what I'm talking about right there, man. I'm that just that is just fucking some good ass shit. We're not gonna do anything. That makes sense. AFT president, Mr. President. That's the American Teachers Union, motherfuckers. Randy Weingarten is a garbage person. So great to finish the day in New Mexico with our great leaders. A picture. The Teachers Union met in person. So you're in meeting in person in a room? Interesting. Six feet, Randy. They're all taking a picture. And I was going to post it, but I won't. Side by side in a restaurant. But they won't open schools. Okay. AFT union leader Randy Weingarten criticizes Jews as part of the ownership class dedicated to denying opportunities to others in an interview. 
Weingarten herself is Jewish and draws a six-figure salary as a head of American Federation of Teachers, took aim at American Jews in an interview with Jerusalem Post. When asked about parents critical of the AFT's resistance to school openings, Weingarten took an aim squarely at Jewish critics. American Jews are now part of the ownership class. Jews were immigrants from somewhere else, and they needed the right to have public education. They needed power to have enough income and wealth for their families that they could put their kids through college, and their kids could do better than they have done. What I hear when I hear that question is that those who are in the ownership class now want to take the ladder of opportunity away from those who don't have it. What has that got to do with opening a fucking school? Black student responsible for racist graffiti... This graffiti, which include messages as White Lives Matter and White Power, turned out to have been allegedly created by a 21-year-old black male. Officials have declared the racist graffiti found in Albion College was done by a black student. Again. And the NGO broke it earlier today. We identified the individual, this is Albion College, responsible for the racist and anti-Semitic graffiti in Mitchell Towers. The student was acting alone acknowledged their responsibility for these incidents. Nothing will happen because they're black and they can do whatever the fuck they want. And then you have these great back-to-back sound bites. And I'm putting COVID and the border today in our woke section because everything's on woke now. So why not? But this is so, so good. So we're going to call this shot and chaser. The, uh, the fact is, is that we're on a good path at the border under leadership of Joe Biden, President Biden. Uh, there is, it's about... It's about restructuring how we do what is happening there, because we were in a very bad situation under the Trump administration. The loss of so many lives comes to the fact that one year ago, the president of the United States called it a hoax, refused to accept the science and refused to engage in any governance uh, that would help prevent the spread of it. Even his own advisors now are saying at least half the people who have died might not have died if there was other. So for them to start blaming it on whoever's coming across the border and asking for a classified briefing is really more subterfuge uh, than science. As we're here at the McAllen facility, you just saw a large number of kids just come running across the border. Uh, here they are right here, just came into the country illegally, ran across, just got apprehended by Border Patrol agents. And it's going on all around us. We've been seeing this. We've only been here less than an hour, and we've already seen multiple encounters of people coming across. Uh, and now they're over getting processed. Probably over 100 people right here just in the last hour that are uh, waiting now to go, uh, go off to a processing facility, and they're coming into America because Joe Biden has created this magnet uh, where he said the border's open, and look at what's happened. Article. Nancy Pelosi said a lot of stupid crap in her seemingly millennia, millennia as an elected official, but her claim that things are a good path of the border in order to support and promote Biden. Yeah, this is super dumb. House Republicans, 171,000 legal crossings in March alone. Border facilities at 1,700% capacity, allowing COVID-19 migrants to enter. Nearly 19,000 unaccompanied children being held. Does that really look like a good path, Nan? And the little jab on Trump who did warp speed. But, you know, no fact checkers. Mm-mm. McConnell said that shit. Oh, it's on like motherfucking Donkey Kong. But Nan, Grandma Nancy, oh, fuck no! She's a woman. She's a liberal. 
Then this. Red states. I want to do a headline. New York Times. Tennessee will take money away from illegal immigrants due to coming here illegal. That's a whole month. That is racism. That is people losing it. Oberman, Nightly News leading off every fucking night with a Tennessee bill to punish illegal immigrants. Which the bills would just be following federal law. You know that. But, New York Times, New York will offer one-time payments of up to 15600 to undocumented immigrants who lost work during the pandemic. The effort, a $2.1 billion fund in the state budget, is by far the biggest of its kind in the United States. Understand, in the last COVID bill, they got all the money you and I got. They got the back checks. That was the only way to get the goddamn thing passed, because liberals don't care about you. They care about illegals or new voters. You always shine the new voters. New customers are really important. Then Yamichi Alcinder. White House officials say today President Biden in his 1.45 p.m. speech will reiterate the critical urgency of building for tomorrow and making a bold once-in-a-generation investment in America. Remind Congress that inaction is not an option after the pandemic. Officials say Biden is going to talk about the infrastructure means in the 21st century and why it extends far beyond just roads and bridges. Note, billions in bill go to things not traditionally described in the infrastructure bill, but to things White House said should be defined that way. We have... Literally done everything under lefties my entire life that have not. Look at the COVID bills. Most of them have nothing to do with COVID. They get away with it. The media ignores it. They don't report it or they justify it. Whereas Republicans do one pork pod project and it's the bridge from nowhere or bridge to nowhere. And we never hear the end of it. Biden, broadband is infrastructure. Kristen Gillibrand. Gets the winner, winner, chicken dinner. Paid leaves infrastructure. Child care's infrastructure. Caregiving is infrastructure. So let me get this straight. I need a new boat. So if I am black, unemployed, and I say I identify as a zur, do I get some infrastructure yum yum? I want a little bit of that. I could use a bass cat boat. We were on the lake the other day. Like, well, I guess it's about a week ago because I'm still taking care of the puppy. That's why I'm stretching this podcast out. She's been in my arms for three days. I literally have sore muscles. Never thought cradling a baby. I'm becoming a woman is what I'm trying to say. I'm totally, I, I think I got some leaky tits up here. I, I, I don't know. Even, I worry about her all night. I don't sleep. I don't know what happened to me. I used to be a man. That's why I got my, 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 my big guy. Because it's race day, that won't happen because it's raining. But I got my MTJ, trying to get his acronym right, hat on today for the race in Martinsville. That won't happen because it'll get rained out like last night. I'm trying everything. Extra Copenhagen, had some bourbon the other night. Doesn't matter. This dog's making me a wuss. But I digress. This is what we've been saying since I started the podcast. If you can guarantee anything about Democrats, Democrats are wordsmith. 
They ban words, they get the most negative connotation on words, and then they use words in different ways. The problem is, Google, fucking YouTube, Twitter, they go along with it. We had Dictionary.com changing words to fit an argument against Trump. Maybe, remember Maisie Hirono, that bag of fucking shit? Yeah, I remember that. And as we're going on all this, Nikki Haley and Ben Shapiro, note... The following. Breaking. Biden administration to lift sanction on Iran. U.S. prepared to lift sanctions inconsistent with Iran nuclear deal. Just going to give them money. Yeah. Yeah. Do they kill U.S. soldiers? Sure. But they're just misunderstood. They're the good guys. Israel... We don't even talk to him. The president hasn't talked to Israel yet. The vice president did. While they spend all day saying everybody down here in the red states are a bunch of anti-Semitic, Jew-hating, Holocaust-loving Nazis, he won't even talk to them. Because he's all about the Palestinians. You watch some rocket attacks start soon. They won't even say anything. Media won't even cover it. You'll have to get that shit from Fox. And then you, we, we go with the Whitmer, the first state to have lockdown protests. She overserted her ability so bad that the Democratic Senate and House removed her fucking power. She got caught having her husband get his boat out because he was special. We used it against Trump and Trump voters to say a bunch of mega people were going to do kidnapping. And then when we dropped all the charges because they turned out to be anarchists, part of Antifa. That didn't make the news. You know, we reported it here, but it came out on conservative sources. Now we got this fucking jingle. Gretchen Whitmer urges a two-week suspension of in-person high school classes, all youth sports and indoor restaurant dining. She stops short of consider ordering restrictions, instead asking for voluntary compliance to slow the spread of COVID-19 as cases hospitalization mounts. Why am I covering that? I- I'm not relishing in anybody getting the disease. I don't want anybody to fucking die. But we just spent a whole week saying that fucking DeSantis, grandma killer, getting illegal money from Publix, he's a cocksucker, worst state in the union. Michigan leads the way with fucking cases. You're not seeing that on the nightly news. The little ticker, which is way smaller, I saw it the other day, is really, really small on the right, and they don't single out Michigan. New York, New Jersey. Yeah. And then our last article, and then we're going to do some fun. Well, I guess I got a couple sound bites. What we got over here? What's still in the queue? Um, I played that. I had a, a Chappelle. Nah, not going to do that one. About people doing nasty notes. Racism, got it. I got a gut filled, I'll push it the next time. Well, let's let's do a lighter fare really quick. Let's do lighter fare. This is some good funny shit, and then I'll see what else I want to put in the queue.
immigration is a complicated, sensitive subject. Maybe that's why people often just see what they want to see. Right, Jen Psaki? Jen, I'm going to show you some images and just tell me what comes to mind. Okay, um, I would say that is um, definitely not a uh, photo of kids in uh, cages. <laughs> and uh, what about this one? Oh, that's, that's a very interesting question. And I would just say um, <laughs> that that is not um, two kids in two cages. <laughs> uh, and this? Wow, a butterfly! <laughs> sure? Look, I, I mean, I'm sure that some people might see a um, dolphin. Uh, but I definitely do see a, a butterfly. Um, and unfortunately, that's also all the time for questions at this time. The vaccine site in Virginia yesterday, and I thought the video was really interesting. Uh, take a look at what, he's, you know, what he had to say. Sorry, I'm late. I just found a big walnut in the parking lot. I was chasing it around for two hours. Folks said, Joe, that's not a walnut. That's a dirty rock. Yeah, right. If it's a rock, then why is my mouth watering? People said, prove it, Joe. Crack it. But that's not the way we used to eat walnuts, so I swallowed it whole. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, that, well, that's not all he said. What else did he say? This, this happened a little later. Oh, I'm just glad the kids are getting the vaccine soon. You know, us kids used to play this game called Sparkums. We put aluminum foil on our fingers and plug ourselves into the wall socket. Fill ourselves with electricity, then chase crows around and try to shock them with our lightning fingers. Wow, really? I don't know why Why they let him do this. Wow, if he's the president, right? Someone should cut him off and say well, One would think. Those, yeah. those things, those well, I, he said something else. He said more? Well, I mean, just check this out. He's finally, he said, he said this. We're taking down the coronavirus like I took down a fella on my block called Kansas City Dennis. He'd crawl through my doggy door and steal my bubble gum. See, gum was new back then. But before gum, we used to just bite off a piece of a live pig's ear. Pretty easy to chew. The hard part was blowing bubbles. <laughs> wow! I, 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 this is bizarre to me. Wow, it's just bizarre. Uh, <laughs> That's all he said? Oh, that's about it, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Uh, the I would never have thought Fallon would be the first to break ranks, but he did. So we're going to do This is America, and I got a story, and then I have this soundbite. And I'm playing this because, if anything, I sense in this reporting, which has been a lot of stories like this this week, unlike me reporting about Whitmer not relishing in the hurt, asking why is it not covered that there are massive cases in Michigan, here is your media upset that open states' numbers are going down while the left, who's still in lockdown, are going up. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, and This is America. 2021. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. My area. I got the strap. Why are.
COVID cases dropping in states that have eased restrictions, yet climbing in ones with tight restrictions still in place. We'll dig into that trend that have some health experts scratching their heads. Confounding trends when it comes to the coronavirus. Yeah, we're going to go behind the numbers and find out why there's a surge in certain states and a decline in others and why people in those states could be getting a false sense of security. And the trends in COVID cases across the country that have health officials really scratching their heads. Yeah, some states with stricter rules are now seeing surges. And then many that were reopened right away and abandoned mask mandates are experiencing sizable drops. So what is going on? You can understand what is driving people down here to vacation and spurring fears that we would see an explosion of cases. So far, it's only been a modest uptick. And from Georgia and Mississippi to Texas and Arkansas, those states with lax rules on COVID protocols have all seen double-digit drops in cases. Call it a COVID conundrum. In states with the strictest measures in the country, like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and much of New England, cases are on the rise. While in the South, states like Arkansas and Texas that have reopened businesses and ripped away mask mandates are seeing their numbers drop. Health experts say the falling figures in the South might be giving a false sense of security. Do medical experts worry is emboldening those leaders who said this is a good idea to loosen restrictions? We worry about if there's a perfect storm brewing. they're fucking horrible people they're they're just they're they're horrible people which brings me to my one note here oh so i got a message who's this from Oh, Jesus, this is from Matt in Oregon. Oh, sweet God. Oh, hold one. So I log into Twitter, and this is what Matt in Oregon sent me. The Navy SEAL with a mask. Go fuck yourself. Just go fuck yourself straight in the ass, sideways. What the fuck? What the fucking fuck with the fuck? What the fucking fuck? Anyway, got this tweet, saw it, and, and understand I've had this happen to myself during these times. I had this happen during HIV, where a lady got parked in the 90s by a car. I got out and performed first aid. And when the medics showed up, they treated me first because I had blood all over myself. Because they said, you could get AIDS. Why are you doing this? This is her story. Kristen. Uh, so dang fancy 100 on Twitter. Just had an experience at a grocery store, so I was walking out of the store. I saw an old man, 80-ish, fall on the sidewalk. It was like his leg just gave out. He had many scars on his leg, so he'd had multiple surgeries. I dropped my stuff to go help him. Um, he was saying something, but the word everyone heard was COVID. Instantly, people started to back away. I didn't. Once I got closer, he was saying, I don't have COVID. That's the first thing he thought to say because he needed help. How sad. Anyway, I asked him, 
what he needed from inside the store, and I got it, went in and got it. He just needed a few things. So I sat him on a bench in the shade, told him I'd be right back. Went and picked up, needed to get him, got his stuff, handed it back to him, got him to his car. When I get angry, I cry. It's just an outburst of emotion that I can't control. I got in my car while driving. I just burst out in tears from anger. I hate what this disease has done to humanity. I hate it. I just wanted to go scream at the ones who just watched and asked them, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'd rather take my chance with COVID to be a heartless asshole afraid of a disease with a 95% survival ratio. And she's way off. It's like a 99% survival ratio. And it's what we become. And the worst part of it, unequivocally, is we did this to ourselves. We chose to let the government to own us. We chose to let the government, in many states, change 80 election laws because of COVID. We justified it, and people hated Trump, justified it, and it worked for them because they knew it was going to help them get rid of Trump, and they just hated Trump. We are sitting here while he is destroying every institution, changing it for one and only one reason. Power. We started this with Wilford Riley, taboo book, and how a black man can look at the data just like I look at it and anybody else go, this is all a lie. BLM's a lie. COVID, a lie. The border, a lie. Now, these people are coming here for asylum. They're not coming here because they're, they're fucking political, um, politically oppressed. They came here for a better life. When you campaign and every person running for the Democratic Party goes, we're going to get free health care, we want to get free money, we want to get free housing, the Green New Deal, all this shit was flowing. Why the fuck wouldn't you come here if you live in a squalorous hut somewhere in South America? And I don't mind, I don't hate these people. I don't care how many Latinos, blacks, fucking Asians we have in the country. But everybody came here legally, and then we built our way up. And as I've said a million times on the show, and almost anybody who's an adult has said, anything given you do not appreciate, everything you earn you do appreciate. But we're going to roll out the red carpet for 30 million people. We're giving them more money during a time when the country is financially overwrought. We're writing bills that every one of them have something to do with COVID, woke, equity, which is just another word for reverse racism. And somehow, some way, people are just sitting and letting it all happen. Just letting it happen. Because if anything we've learned in four years, the power of Twitter, social media, and the media to silence people is unstoppable. And we let that happen. We let them have this power. Corporations, we let them have power. We just kept letting it happen. We didn't stop. We didn't say, no, this isn't it. This is not what we're for. No, no, no. We didn't do that. We just ate the bullshit and lived in fear. And if anything America is not, it is not a fearful nation. But we become that. I was all for two weeks of lockdown. But you got a governor 
who is straight hot, hot garbage fire, who now wants to lock her state down again. But what the fuck? What the fucking fuck? I am not for violence. And I'm not in every one of these segments saying what the people on January 6th did was right. But to treat a person who trespassed, break their eye socket, and leave them in jail and throw out the key while two black kids can murder a guy while cops are getting beaten and murdered in our streets and getting let go under some idea, another wordsmith, equity. Goddamn, folks. I don't care how scary it is. I'll still say what's right. I'll still stand up for principles. Our country has worked as is forever. And a bunch of people who lost an election are now just pissed off. And they want to destroy it and say everything's racist. And change it so they can never, ever not be in power. I just ask you, if for some reason you stumble across the show and you're a liberal and you hated Trump and blah, 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 blah. It's an easy fix. If Republicans were doing this, what would you say? Adding two new states that are habitually conservative. Getting rid of the filibuster so the minority group has no input. Changing the rules of what we say, how we vote laws. Changing what goes in bills just so you could get it through under budgetary reasons. Packing the Supreme Court because it's 6-4 progressive. And they didn't get to put anybody just because people died under the last Republican president. Taking away guns. Opening the border to hundreds of thousands of white people. What would you say? I already know the answer. If this was Canada pouring over the border, you'd be up in arms. But it's possible voters pouring over the border. I have never said the Republican Party is a bunch of great people. But goddamn, Democrats don't take a dump without thinking, how can this turd get me more voters so I can have all the power? They're just about power. They are the fascist. They concocted a new religion. They called it intersectionality. And they apply it to everything. But when you really talk to, like Tyra said, free-thinking black people, they know they don't give a fuck about black people. Say what you will about Trump, call him a racist. He did more with his policies to improve the lives of black people than any white liberal president ever did. And he did damn sure more than that fake-ass black vice president who cuffed more black people than anybody. Or Biden, who proposed bills. 
I mean, let's be honest. If you're going to live in a world and your whole party principle are facts don't matter, it's all about feelings, you've lost the argument. And eventually, even with all the cheating you're about to impose with S1, it may take a decade, but all these people you put on your plantation and realize you're just a slave to them. They're just your slave. You don't give a fuck about their lives. You're still going to be pushing for corporate interest because that's all you care about. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com for the video, foppodcast.com for the audio. You can go to foppodcast.com for audio and video back because you can get links to SoundCloud and to Rumble. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And we're going to go out on a great segment with Gutfeld. It starts as dogging him, but it ends up saying, no more us and them. It needs to be about Americans. Thought it was a good message. So that's all end the show. I will see you the 14th. 14th? Where's my mouse? I lost my mouse. What the fuck? These Bluetooth mouses suck. Uh, 14th, Wednesday, for the next exciting show. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs> all right, knock it off. Her name's Nicole, and she's quite a troll. I think if someone were to parachute down here um, and wonder what the most sort of destructive force on our planet is, and they landed in this country, they might look at the Republicans. Her voice is like butter. So you got that? Yeah, the worst thing on the planet ain't terrorists, cancer, not even global warming for once. It's Republicans. And all this time, the Dems told us it was Russia. Keep going, Nicole. When is someone in the Republican Party going to rise up against those in the Republican Party whose speech and language and their selection of debates are still killing people? Yes. Once again, it's those evil Republicans killing people, those damn pro-lifers. But it's always the same, isn't it? The Republicans want you to die, except isn't she a Republican? Nicole is so two-faced, she better be double masking. And And I seem to remember a lot of people dying in wars under her watch. She should turn herself into the U.N. for crimes against humanity and human eardrums. But don't be foolish enough to think Wallace is being original. She just stole her screed from a very old place. Seem to have an endless tolerance for other people's sadness. The Republicans are... So here's the divisive narrative the media is currently pounding out, that it's Republicans who hate vaccines. But in order to believe this lie, you must pretend that Operation Warp Speed which happened under a Republican, never existed. Yes, it disappeared just like a conservative social media page. Really uh, dismantled Nicole's <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> if you, the viewer, would just of the left versus right, Dem versus Republican, rich versus poor crap, you can see how much of this unsettling reality is manufactured by social media companies, media giants, and politicians. As long as we fight amongst ourselves, they keep their power and get rich off our warring factions. By now, Jeff Zucker should have a yacht called the Divide and Conquer. So where's the president? Wasn't Joe's whole soul into healing this nation? My whole soul is in it. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this. 
bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. <laughs> so what happened? Nothing, because he lied. Remember, this is the same guy who used the fine people hoax to win an election. He also pushed the drinking bleach lie to brand Trump and his supporters as deadly Neanderthals. You know, those crazy cavemen who want to earn a living and drive around bedrock without a vaccine passport. <laughs> so what did our healer say yesterday? The best way to deal with this is for Georgia and other states to smarten up. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Was that healing and referring to voter ID laws as Jim Crow? Is he aware that over 70% of blacks favor photo IDs for voting? Biden is to healing what a surgeon's dirty scalpel is to a patient, which is the point. Unification isn't the goal. Conflict is. And once you see this framework, it shows up everywhere. I mean... Take a look at what's on CNN right now. Grandmas Knitting, are systemic racism. Candies, if you don't call your grandma couches, and tell her she's a racist, all racist, you're a racist. Maybe the bear does have a point there. The bear is a racist. <laughs> He is a racist. All right. So the point of this show is to pull you and I out of these destructive us versus them narratives by trying to show you how the media creates false stories to keep us engaged and angry. I don't hate Dems. I don't hate liberals. I hate the media for wanting us to hate each other. That's their game. It's a terrible one. And the, and the way you win is by being the first and loudest without facts or context. It's not good or healthy. But you know what is? Watching this show and leaving this prison of two ideas behind. The left-right thing is deader than a bill submitted to Congress by AOC. It's now you versus the manipulating monolith called the media. The good news, now that you can see their game, you can't unsee it. And that means you and I can kick their asses together.